Welcome back to Girl Connect, and thank you for tuning in. The leaves are falling, and Thanksgiving is just around the corner. I'm so excited. Yes, fall is one of my favorite times of the year, and I cannot wait for Thanksgiving to spend time with my friends and my family. Yes, it's going to be great. You know, I just feel like in fall, like the air and the energy just feels so different around me, and I feel at peace. So I'm definitely excited to see, you know, what the remaining of this year will bring us. I know. Even though I love the summer and, you know, the sun is shining and whatnot, I just feel like the fall gives me so much peace of mind, and the summer was pretty hard for me. So I'm excited to step into a new chapter of my life as well as, you know, get into some podcasting. And, you know, we have some exciting things coming up, such as our male guest, Mr. Stefan Speaks. Yeah, we are so glad to have him here with us today. He's a best-selling author and speaker. He's actually one of my favorite relationship experts to tune into on YouTube. So if you're looking to understand the ins and outs of relationships and heartfelt advice, that is insightful. Stefan is your man to go to. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I can start it off. We pulled some of these questions from the heart, some from friends, others Mm -hmm. around us. I want to go ahead and this is like a personal question that came from me Um, after dealing with toxic relationships you can struggle forming healthy connections with romantic partners and self-sabotaging the relationship Mm -hmm. what are some steps individuals can take to save the relationship with their partner and themselves to save it um from already it's already gone i guess downhill or things or it could be heading in that direction okay so i think number one is to be very transparent about the struggles that you've been having. So essentially, you know, when we haven't healed from certain things and that has caused us to act out or sabotage our relationships, what makes things worse is the fact that it's confusion for that other individual. They don't understand where this is coming from. Why are you triggered? Why does this bother you so much? Why did you handle it this way? So you've got to be able to, one, you know, take accountability for your actions in in those areas but then explain, this is why I reacted this way. This is why this made me feel like that. The more we can make things clear and transparent, the easier it is for now us to say, okay, we can fix this. Because now I understand what the problem is. You yeah. know. So I think being open, being transparent, I think if we truly want to fix this and not go back to a cycle where we're constantly you know, going back and forth and there's problems, we have to both agree to heal from everything from our past. You know, it's not just, okay, we're going to heal from where things went left with us. We got to heal from the relationships before us. We got to heal from our childhoods. We both need to agree to do that inner work so that we can really get to a place of peace within ourselves and then we can be at peace with each other as well. Do you think that you can do that while with your partner or would you have to be separate in order to make that kind of change within yourself? I, it's possible, but it's difficult. And, and, I, and I'll say this. So the being transparent and, and, and honest and taking accountability is what you would really, really need to heal while together. All right. Because, again, it's like if you're going to therapy and you're learning things about yourself and now you realize you have certain triggers. Well, that other individual, if they're not a part of your healing journey, th- there's a very likely chance they're going to trigger you. They're going to do something to piss you off. And that can easily set you back and undo all the good work you've been doing. So they have to understand exactly how to navigate with you through this process. So it's possible, but that's the reason why it's easier alone. Because now we don't have that additional distraction, additional chance of being hurt again and going back to a negative place. So 
Part of it is being honest with ourselves about what we can handle. Can we handle doing this with them? And also, here's the unfortunate reality. For a lot of people, because you haven't healed, you're in the wrong relationship. Yeah, I was going to say. So once you actually heal, you're going to realize this person isn't for you. This isn't where it's at. So this, you can't heal with everybody. Exactly. Sure. You can't heal with everybody. And again, everyone, when you heal, the problem is in certain situations, you weren't being your true self. You may not have even known who your true self was because it was hiding behind all that trauma. Once you remove that and your true self comes out, you may now realize we don't align with each other. We don't fit together well. And now the whole thing's going to blow up anyway, but it's a good thing because you guys were never meant to be together to begin with. Yeah, even to bounce off of you know that, I feel like being in a broken state, now that I'm going to therapy and really trying to like find vital resources to help me be a better you know woman and even have healthy relationships because I've never really been in one. If you're broken, do you feel like you will, will always attract broken individuals no matter how many times you date? You know, within your teenage years, your 20s, your 30s, do you feel like there has to be a time where you get to a point where it's like, okay, I am healed. I now am attract. I'm attracting better individuals in my life or is it always just a repeated pattern if you have not made the steps to get therapy or to find those resources to heal yourself no so if you are quote-unquote broken um it is still possible for you to attract a healthy individual the problem is you won't be able to embrace it it's going to make you uncomfortable it's going to be scary it's going to make you feel too vulnerable so what happens is when we are broken we entertain broken people we feel safer in their dysfunction. You see what I'm saying? We feel like, okay, they got problems just like us, so this is gonna be easier here. It's almost like if I'm an obese person, being with a physically fit, into their health, eating right person, is gonna be tough. Because now how can I look at myself in the mirror and be in the presence of this individual and not feel inadequate? Right. You see what I'm saying? So it's like those things start to challenge us and so we go to where it's comfortable. So we're likely gonna either, in that example, find someone who lives an unhealthy life physically or find someone who has other issues that make us feel like, okay, our issues aren't so bad here. I've always loved chaos, love dating in chaos. <laughs> I love friendships in chaos. And it hasn't, it hasn't been up until 2021. I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Mm. Especially being her friend, you know, she holds me accountable a lot. And I am like, I'm like am I ever gonna find like the good guy or like not the bad boy but yeah i i think i've pushed away some of the good candidates because i'm like i'm bored this is not fun mm -hmm. like but now i'm like the chaos is no longer fun and i'm actually getting tired of it yes. <laughs> so and understand you don't need chaos for fun to be exactly had. <laughs> you yes know? i've learned That's that too 100 also too when someone is living in sin and they know they're living in sin if you know you're doing wrong by god and you expect blessings in return why do people still continue to keep living in sin? <laughs> so this is a tricky one because yeah. if we're looking at it from a biblical perspective, we're born in sin. Right. God knows we're going to live in sin. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason why Jesus came down. If, if he thought any of us could get it right, there'd be no reason for Jesus. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So an understanding that we are imperfect human beings that are going to fall short, mm -hmm. we can give ourselves some grace. I think the key is, are you trying to validate living this way? Are you just okay with living within it and not ever striving to try to be better? Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to be like, all right, I'm trying to be this great, righteous person, but because we're human, we slip up here and there. Mm -hmm. I think that's okay. I think God understands that. Mm -hmm. 
It's nothing to say, no, I'm just going to live however I want to live and do what I want. Right. Now you're just being reckless. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? There's a huge difference. So I think we just have to understand that we all we all do things that My we elders, shouldn't be doing like, sometimes. They're like, maybe you didn't go to the club. If you didn't do this, maybe you found a good man. I'm just like, I don't think it's the club. I <laughs> <laughs> so it always made me kind of feel bad because I'm like, I know I'm a born sinner, but I do repent and I do pray. But it's like, am I living this crazy sinful lifestyle to where I'm being in a way cursed? Like I've had some pretty outlandish things said to me with, you know, from Christians and from mm. people from a biblical standpoint. But I, it, it always made me feel like, hmm. That doesn't really seem too right. So I wanted to ask you, like, you know, your perspective on it. Yeah, no, I, I think we were, you know, the crazy thing is some of the most judgmental people mm -hmm. are the ones sinning the most. Like, yeah. they, they, they got skeletons in their closets, too. Mm -hmm. And and just, you know, what's crazy with some of the, the Christians, I kind of compare them to, like, in the Bible, the Pharisees. Yeah. People forget the people that were called the Pharisees were people who thought they were living right. Mm -hmm. They thought they had it all figured out, that they knew all the scripture. And they were the ones who killed Jesus. <laughs> like no, they, they were the worst. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, yo, they think they're higher and mighty and holier than thou, but they don't realize that that in itself is sin. That in itself is them living away from the way God wants them to live. Mm -hmm. So they're no better than us. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I think we, we all have to accept that we all have struggles and we just have to, again, keep striving to be better. And, and understand that there's a process in it. We're not, for, for many of us who come from a life that we were wilding out, right. it, we're not just gonna, cult, you know, by a flip of the switch, be perfect. Exactly. And no one is perfect, so it's just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that, I like You're that. You're welcome. So I saw this statistic online, you know, that mm -hmm. said, you know, 70% of women are more likely to walk away from a marriage yeah. and the other remaining percentage of men stay. Mm -hmm. Why is it that a woman you know, leaves, no longer sees a purpose for that man in her life, at least in a marriage, but the man continues to stick around and stay, mm. even when he's not happy. So let me tell you, I, I, I hate when people use that stat to paint women as like, they're so unloyal, look yeah, at them leaving no. these marriages, because it doesn't give the full picture of what's going on. And so what you're asking is the great question, because from my perspective and what I've seen, a man could be in a relationship where he is miserable. He could be cheating. It could be abusive. There could be so much wrong, and he will stay. Mm. Men, it's a, it's few, there's a several layers to it. One, men have a harder time rejecting the woman than a woman does rejecting a man. We live in a society where we're in the position where we have to pursue. We have to get this woman's attention, and the woman gets to sit back and enjoy that. So... That's why I tell women, if you try to talk to a man and ask for his number, many men will accept, not because they're interested, they also don't know how to say no to you. You know what I'm saying? They're not used to being in that position. So to now be the guy who calls it quits, it's difficult for a lot of men. They don't know how to do that. Women are more accustomed to having to you know, draw that line. But then when we consider that in marriage, there's more ramifications. So that, you know, it's the whole cheaper to keeper. It's like, yeah, I'm not happy here, but if I divorce her, I got to worry about my finances and what are the other implications of taking that step. Also, for some men, it's like, okay, as long as she's here holding down the household in certain ways and I can get my needs met elsewhere, why divorce? Because one of the things I recognize with the difference between men and women is that women need love, all right? So it's like, Go to a man first and say, if you had a woman who will do everything that you want, fulfill all your needs, 
But she cannot say that she is in love with you. Will you be okay with that? Tons of men will be okay with that. Because their needs are being met. It logically makes sense. I, they don't need that, the I love you, right? But if you go to a woman and say, here's a man that will do everything you need, fulfill all your desires, but he cannot say he is in love with you. A lot of women can't accept that. That would be hurt. That, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Despite what he's doing, women are wired to have that emotion fed. They need that love there. Without it, it feels empty. Men just need these needs being met. That's it. So going back to your question, I think that for that man, see, to that woman, it's like it's time to go. The love's not here anymore. I feel empty. I feel unfulfilled. To that man, if she's still helping with the kids... Maybe they have sex here and there. And even they don't have sex that much. He's getting sex elsewhere. So his needs are being met. So there's no need to, to destroy this whole dynamic only to not put himself in a position that he may have to, again, face financial consequences or even consequences with family and culture. Depending on the culture he comes from, there's a negative connotation to getting divorced. So he feels like, all right, I don't want to deal with all that. Let's just keep this thing going. So I think for various reasons, men, yeah, they just don't leave even though they should. Yeah, divorce, I think that it's become something that a lot of people have, you know, spoken up more on and, and they've been able to really share their experiences about why they've gotten divorced or whatnot, mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't want to experience that. So, but I mean, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's just something I don't look forward to. Like yeah, you said, absolutely. you, you, know, you want to have a happy, or what I would say, joyous, abundant life with man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I also want to ask you, a lot of women compromise their standards just to literally feel something, feeling a void, um, you know, voids that God could fulfill, voids that they could fulfill for themselves, but they yet keep running to the man over and over and over again. Why do you think this is an issue, especially within society now? So women running to men to fill the voids that they can get filled elsewhere. Yes. Emptiness. Emptiness. Yeah. Well, I think, again, women want to be with someone. Women want relationship. I think society is trying to, I'm going to say, brainwash some women into, you don't need a man and F relationships and all this stuff. But that's not how the average woman is wired. And really, not how the average human being. Most men want relationships, too. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple. So I think there's just a natural desire to be with someone and share life with someone. And so we look for those voids to be filled with companionship. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we want certain needs met, whether it be emotionally or sexually or both or whatever. And so that contributes to it. I think also there's societal pressure uh, as far as some women feel like their value is tied to their relationship status. Uh -huh. You know what I'm saying? No matter how successful they are, if they don't have a man, they feel empty. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, it's one thing if you're letting society dictate that versus that's how you genuinely feel from within. Meaning, mm -hmm. maybe you pursued that career thinking it would help fill the void, but it doesn't speak to your heart. Mm -hmm. It's not where you really want to be. So there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that and saying, no, you do want a relationship, mm -hmm. but you should not feel pressured into trying to have one to make other people happy. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. There's also the pressure of having children. And so some women are going to run to a man because, well, I feel like I'm getting older and I want to have kids and I got to figure out a way to make this work. So now I'm going to settle and accept certain things just so I can finally achieve having a child. And I feel the need to mention this. This is why some women, some, you know, there's some women who will say no woman chooses to be a single mother. That's a lie. 
There are tons of women who purposely choose to be a single mother because in their mind, I don't want the man, I just want the baby. And I'm going to consciously choose a man I know will not fight to stay in this child's life or that I can easily push out the way because I don't want anyone else's influence on this child. I want this child only for me. I will say I've never heard that before. Either. I never saw it from that perspective at all. Yeah, it happens a lot. And I, again, I think people just assume that every... And I'm not saying there aren't plenty of women who did not choose to be single mothers, but there are plenty... I, I've had clients flat out tell me, mm -hmm. just give me the baby. I don't want the man. Because to them, the man is danger, is hurt, is frustration, is stress. They've already... They've, they haven't healed from their past traumas, and now they're projecting that onto all men. But a baby is a safe place to love and receive love. You know what I'm saying? And that's why you a lot of younger women, women in their teens, they went and had babies because they wanted something to love and someone to love them. Mm -hmm. They weren't getting that from home. You know what I'm saying? They weren't getting that from the opposite sex. So that's why they wanted that baby so bad. They could care less about the man who came attached to it. Mm -hmm. There's been times where I'm just like, I've had people say, love yourself. You know, just love yourself. Love your and I'm like, I do, but... A it's crime that I that I want to feel <laughs> like something. I mean, I'm 24 no, now. Not a crime at all. Yeah, exactly. You know and I, but I, I and I do think at the same time there have been times where I I should focus on myself more so than the man that might not be treating me right. But it doesn't. I just still feel like like it's not a crime to want you know love. So I thank you for saying that. Yeah, and, and let me just say it's <laughs> not a crime to want love, but it is a problem if you let that desire consume you to the right. point that you will now overlook issues, the red flags, the fact that you're not really happy here just mm -hmm. for the sake of having a man. Mm -hmm. Compromising my standards, yes. yeah, my future potentially. And I also heard, this might be a little off topic, but someone said that, you know, you don't feel real love until you have a, a child. Yeah, and I think, I, I hate to use this word, but I think that's nonsense. Yeah? Yeah, because my thing is, again, what they're saying is it's love without the issues that come from a relationship, right? But guess what? Ask them if they still feel that way after that child becomes grown and independent. You see, once the child now is no longer in the need of that parent, they're no longer the vessel that they can constantly pour into, it becomes a problem. So you'll have women who will have a baby because they can pour into that child and feel that love. Then the baby becomes independent and what happens? Now she goes and has another child because she needs something to replace that. Because again, she's not getting it from her partner if she has one. The, the child has not grown old enough to now be independent. She doesn't feel as needed and valued anymore. So now she has to start over again and have another child. So it's like, it's not, love is love. When we say, well, it's different. No, no, love is love. The difference is love in a relationship has a romantic interest there has sexual attraction included to it but loving your friend loving your partner at the base of it is still love kindness compassion patience it's still love it's just once you add a different ingredient here a different ingredient there that's what differentiates it so to me it's like to say it's that's the real love no it's still love you know what i'm saying but they're gonna they're in for a rude awakening when that child gets older i'll tell yeah. you that much <laughs> Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, how do you break through trust issues in a relationship when there's no reason to distrust and when you've been only when you've been given a reason? Okay, so if there's no reason to distrust, then that says to me 
that your trust issues stem from previous relationships and experiences. All right. So you're projecting onto your partner and you're scared. And that's the reason why you're not able to trust. So flat out, you need to heal. You need to heal from all the things you've gone through. You need to heal from your childhood traumas. That's the only way you're going to get to a place where you can trust again. I will also say for those who are believers, my mentality isn't about trusting you. It's about trusting God. So if God says you're supposed to be my partner, I should be with you. I don't expect you to be perfect. You're going to fall short sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to hurt me at some point. That's human nature. But if God says this is where I belong, then I'll be fine. We'll work through it. You know what I'm saying? Mistakes will be made, but it's all good. Now, if we're saying when they've given a reason to not trust, now it's about addressing the issue that arise that caused that problem. Why don't you trust them anymore? What was the reason? What was the, the cause of it? You know what I'm saying? Is it, oh, okay, well, they've been acting sneaky with their phone. You broke into their phone and you saw some things you didn't like. <laughs> okay, now you have a reason to not trust them. Okay, well, if you want to get to a place of trust in them, one, we need to find out why were they acting inappropriately. Is this a symptom of we are not best for each other or a symptom of, Maybe there was something that was missing that caused them to look for it elsewhere. What led to this? But then also we're going to have to now impose a policy of you can't hide your phone because there's no way you're going to be able to have gone through that, go back to them hiding their phone and you feeling okay. It's impossible. You're going to always feel like they're hiding something again. So we're going to have to now have a transparency policy that allows us to get comfortable and build a confidence that, okay, we're on a better path now. Well, now that we're on the topic of phones, <laughs> I have uh, a friend and her boyfriend said that if you trust me, why would you, why do you need the password to my phone? Mm -hmm. Obviously, I, I know. I think that it, there's nothing wrong with having your partner's, you know, password to their mm -hmm. phone. Mm -hmm. Should you be going through it when they're not around? No. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can ask them. Yeah. But is that wrong for them to know the password to your phone? In, in my opinion, no. Not at all. To me, if we're in a relationship... So my thing is this. When someone says, if you trust me, why would you go through my phone? My response is, well, if you want them to trust you, why wouldn't you give them the phone? Like, yeah. what's the problem? If, if you Exactly. Is it really it. that big of a deal? I just think it's silly. I think at the end of the day, if we want to... When we have secrecy, we will create a lack of trust. We will create confusion we will create chaos in that situation so to me i want things to be as transparent as possible now as you mentioned even like if i give you the password to my phone and you want to go through it yeah just you don't need to be sneaky about it if we're going to be transparent just let me know hey, i'm gonna look through your phone all right go ahead knock yourself out <laughs> you know what i'm saying i don't care like to me that's how we're gonna build a healthy relationship so to me it's about what's your real intent here are you trying to create a wonderful environment where we can trust each other and be at ease? And here's my also belief. I view it from a very psychological standpoint. It's like the example I'll give is if you put someone in a room with no walls and you give them what they need, they may sit in that room with no problem all day. The minute you put walls up, people want to get out. There's this need to now, like, I'm feeling restricted. So to me, when you add certain restrictions, you make people uncomfortable, and now they feel like they have to start looking. They have to start wondering what's going on. But when you have this very open, transparent environment, it's like, 
pain. I'm good. Like, you just don't feel any need There's or no any paranoia. pressure to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. to me, yeah. I just want to remove all of that. So I think there's nothing wrong with having the password. I think that's really true in any healthy relationship. It just has to feel open and free. Nobody wants to feel trapped. Exactly. A lot of the healthiest relationships I've seen um, from friends, from family, have been when they didn't grow up with a lot of, I guess you could say, childhood trauma. Mm -hmm. Whereas those who grew up in dysfunction, maybe without a father or something, um, they tend to have more issues. Is this, is this a real issue within society or is it more of like made up con you know conceptions that people have conjured up in their heads or what they project on you know, online i keep seeing this on tiktok like childhood trauma childhood wounds like how does that really impact a person and their relationships growing up it's 100 percent real wow and it definitely has an impact and it, it can vary one story that pops in my head right now i had a client where she grew up with her father telling her she's ugly mm. and telling her that she's she's the only thing she's good for is to be laying on her back. So what happens? She becomes very promiscuous. She thinks that's where her value is. You know what I'm saying? And she entertains a lot of toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's like we, we tend to think that that thing that they put in our head as a child doesn't matter anymore. It does matter. If you grew up feeling like you weren't good enough, then you're going to start feeling like that as an adult. If you have abandonment uh, issues as a child, that's going to pour over into your adulthood. Like, all of these things have an impact. And look at it like this. Emotion is energy. When you go through this hurt and emotion and you don't release it, you've trapped this energy within your body. It will now, it has to get out somehow. If it can't get out through you properly releasing it, it will start to come out in other okay. negative ways, in negative outbursts. Think about people who just, they can't control their emotions, they just have these outbursts. Very they have active. a lot of trauma they're holding on to. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't come out that way, it comes out in physical ailments. A lot of people's diseases and physical struggles are through emotional stress that's never been resolved. You know what I'm saying? Stress is the trigger to disease. It's the number inducer to disease. So people think these emotional things don't matter anymore. I once went to a lady, I wish I knew what you call it, but you know how you get your back cracked by a chiropractor? Yes. All right, so she does that, but it's not, she doesn't physically crack your back. It's, she's touching different points of Thematic your body. therapy. All right, yeah, it's some kind of neural thing yeah. attached to your brain or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what was fascinating was she was like, she, if she touches a certain part and you react a certain way, she's like, you had something happen to you when you was 11 years old. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> wow. <laughs> they really think that out, too. Wow. And she's saying, because it's like this trapped energy there, mm -hmm. and it's, it, it can tell her some things. You know what I'm saying? Now, some of it may have been exaggerated, but I do believe there's a level of truth to it. So it's a real thing, and, and that's why healing is so important. Wow. And not just, again, not just healing from your last hurt, healing from everything you've been hurt from. I've been doing some research on therapy right now because I'm trying to figure out like different ways I can go and get some good uh, therapy sessions. And it, something that you just said, it's, it's called somatic therapy, I think. And they say sometimes even when you do different pressure points, you start to cry. Like you literally start weeping tears because that stored trauma is in you know your back, your shoulders. Mm -hmm. It just makes you like whew, weep. So I'm kind of excited to experience that, you know, just in case I might have some trauma stored <laughs> in these uh, pockets somewhere. Yeah. I'm going to check that out too. Yeah. Um, we should go together. Oh. <laughs> now, my next question is, what is the best way to get over somebody if you're codependent? It, it, it goes back to healing first. Healing is going to always be the big key to it. Mm -hmm. 
Um, because again, your codependency stems from unresolved issues. And so you've got to get to the root of the problem. How do we get here? Why are we so codependent? And so uncovering all of those things and truly resolving it, it's going to break you free. Like when you heal and release all of that, it's like your eyes open up. Like every, every man and woman, especially men that I've talked to who have gone through the healing process, they will tell you how now they can see dysfunction, hurt, lack of healing in people like this. Like I had guys who went on me with on tour a couple years ago and after the tour they're like, yo, now they see women so differently because they're picking up on things they never picked up on before. The healthier that you become, the more perspective that you gain, the easier it is for you to see these things. So when you're trying to break free as someone who's been codependent, you'll now start to understand, this is why I've been holding on to this individual. You'll start to understand, I don't really want this individual I just want, like, there's a, a tweet I had the other day. Sometimes you're not missing the person, you're missing the feeling. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but that, you think that you're missing the feeling, you missing the feeling tricks you into thinking that you're missing this person, that you're in love with them. No, you're not. You just want, you want to get back to those good times you had. You want to get back to feeling valued in a relationship. You want to get back to feeling needed. And so once you can understand that and now detach it from the individual, you can break free from them. And you can understand that now there's a healthier way for me to go about this. Yeah, those are things you talk about in your book, Love After yes, Heartbreak. Yes, absolutely. And you have another book as well. Yes. What's the name of that one? He's Lying Sis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> can you like give us a little quick rundown of like what those two books entail? Okay, yeah. So with the Love After Heartbreak, um, it's essentially running through the healing process giving people the exact steps. It's, it's kind of like you going to a therapist or coach, but through a book, mm -hmm. all right? And it just kind of helps people understand that hurt is inevitable in life. We're never gonna escape that. The issue is how we process it, how we internalize it, learning how to release it, learning how to learn from it and become better because of it, not letting it, keeping us in a bad negative place. You know what I'm saying? So it'll, it really helps open people's eyes, but more specifically because you hear society say you need to heal, but a lot of people don't tell you how to heal. Yeah. And a lot of people just think going to a therapist and just venting is healing. No, it's not. Or I'm going to take a year off from dating. That's my healing. No, that's not healing. You have to do the actual work to release these things, and that book will help you with that. Right. And then with the He's Lying Sis, that's just kind of uh, <laughs> breaking down a lot of different scenarios where women come across common deceptions from men mm -hmm. and learning how to better navigate it, how to better understand those situations, basically clearing up the confusion. You know, uh, one example that's a chapter in the book is he doesn't want a girlfriend, but he acts like your boyfriend. Mm. You or know? when he says he's in love with you, but he can't be with you. <laughs> that, <laughs> that specific one is in the book, but yes, that's a similar <laughs> example yeah. of a situation that causes confusion and a woman doesn't understand how to handle it. And, and it. and if by not knowing how to handle it, falls deeper into that hole to now more damage occurs. You know what I'm saying? But also I want to point out that the book also talks about learning how to create an environment that eliminates the need for lying. The reality is that people lie because they don't want a certain outcome or they're afraid they're not going to get what they want. But if there's ways to create an environment where people feel more comfortable being honest, not that it's your responsibility for someone to be honest, but why not make it easier for yourself and learn how to pull the truth out of people? Mm -hmm. And that's how the book can help individuals as well, or women specifically as well. 
Well, I'm so glad that you left these with us today because <laughs> I'm on my reading journey again. And awesome. I'm going to make sure I finish those by the end of the year. Good. And I like what I you like said that. about how you don't have, like, therapy and other things are not always just the all and be all to healing. Like, sometimes you really need to read books and you need to do the inner work and really take those steps to heal. That way you can live a fulfilling life. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I wanted to say, and I kind of want to speak from a personal uh Thing I'm going through right now um, I heard a pastor one time say deception leads to destruction mm -hmm. and I find that my intuition always tells me this is God not my intuition the Holy Spirit says this is not right like no but I keep touching it and I keep going <laughs> to it why is it that when I hear God so clearly I'm still running the opposite way well one because you haven't accepted the need to surrender mm -hmm. to God's way you haven't accepted the fact that God knows better than you, mm -hmm. all right? And we have to realize that sometimes what God tells us won't make sense, won't be what we want to hear. But when we understand that when we listen to him, it always works out in our best interest, we become more willing to listen. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it never gets completely easy, no matter how much good we've seen come out of listening, so it's always this ongoing thing where you have to remind yourself, just trust God, just trust God. But to get there, you have to practice. Mm -hmm. And so to me, part of practicing is praying about everything. So like I'm someone who will pray about going to the gym. All right. Yeah, that's <laughs> if good. if yeah. I wake up one day and I'm like, I don't feel like going, let me pray about it. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the crazy thing. I, I remember there's been several times where I prayed about going to the gym, didn't want to go. God said, go. I go. And it turns out like I run into this guy who watches my videos, needs my help, and it like changes his whole life, the conversation. So you never know. Like we think it's about that thing we're praying about, but there's a bigger picture out there. But what praying about those little things does is it gets you the practice of listening in the small moments so that when the bigger moments come, it's easier to listen. But if you're just waiting to listen to God in that big moment, you're not accustomed to just trusting. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you haven't had enough examples of success to feel confident in trusting. And that's what you have to build up through just constant prayer. And having that hunger to really, you know, surrender and pray every exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember one of you guys were saying yesterday, it's not about praying for, you know, the end destination, it's about praying for the next step. Yes. So that's definitely something I'm gonna put into my everyday routine. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, that was amazing. Thank you so much, Stefan, for pleasure. even you know joining Girl Connect today, and we really enjoyed all this useful advice that you were giving us. It really means a lot. Well, thank, thank you so you much for having me. you know coming with your team and being able to be a part of this with us. We Absolutely. really appreciate you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. it was our wonderful episode Q and A with Mr. Stefan, and have a great day.